are in and welcome today, everybody, to today's everybody's, well, I thought it was like 10,000 words in the wrong order. Let's try that again. Welcome, everybody, to today's Eat and Greet, where today we're going to talk about Saturn. And sometimes you say Saturn and the hairs on the back of people's necks stand up and they go, oh my God, I remember my Saturn return. It's just can be such a fear-based idea. And that is not really what Saturn is about. I do understand how it can feel a little heavy and scary sometimes, but today we're going to make Saturn practical. We're going to talk about what Saturn's real function is. And to guide us through that, we've got Laura Nelvandi in here today. So welcome, Laura, and thank you for coming. Thanks, Stormy, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's like I, I got the embodiment of some good Saturn, right? You got some strong <laughs> Saturn placements. <laughs> That's beautiful because what are your Capricorn? And then yes. you also have, did you say Mercury. Saturn on your sun? Uh, I'm transiting Saturn on my sun right now. Uh, I have natal Mercury in Capricorn and natal Saturn in Capricorn. So three planets in Capricorn, and then I have two planets in Taurus in the 10th, moon on the midheaven. <laughs> so, you know, some extra. And then Saturn's uh, trines my moon and trines my Pluto. And I got, I got a lot of Saturn activity in my chart. So you guys are uh, buds. Yeah, we're buds. Yeah. Well, perfect. Then, uh, you know, if they say that Pluto is Saturn's only real friend, but I feel like that's a lie right now. Laura is Saturn's yeah. friend. I am Saturn's friend and Saturn is my friend. So hopefully we can talk in such a way that the rest of y'all can find a way to make friends with Saturn. Absolutely. And it's so funny because I was laughing with my husband and he's an Aries and he's a very quiet but serious kind of Aries. You know, he's got some strong Capricorn as well. And I laugh because when I met him, he was so like serious and grouchy. And I was like, oh my God, I have to be his friend. Like, he needs my entertainment, you know? So I feel like as we get introduced to Saturn, maybe you guys can take that perspective that maybe Saturn wants to get to know your little joyful selves as well. So Laura, before we jump in and talk about Saturn today, I would love for you to tell us about Norwalk. And this is huge. It was virtual this year, which was a game changer, I think. Truly was. Norwalk has been in existence since 1984. I'm a second generation astrologer, meaning my mother was an astrologer. She started studying astrology in 1965 when I was six years old. Uh, she actually decided to learn about astrology because a very dear friend of hers was into it and she thought it was ridiculous. And she decided that the only way she was going to dissuade her friend from her folly was to learn enough about it so she could argue it. And the deeper she got into it, the more she realized there was no argument to be had. And she became fascinated with it and began studying and then had a passion to open a bookstore in 1975 when I was 16. Um, and uh, then she started Norwalk, as I said, in 1984. So we've been going strong for 36 years every year. This year was the very first year that Norwalk was not held in person. It was a, a deep emotional blow to me in the beginning, and I'm going to find myself emotional here, so I'm just going to ride with it. Um, it was an emotional blow because uh, my mother and I were very close. We were business partners, um, very close in our lives. Uh, we shared a home together with my children, and the Norwalk was such a part of her 
and um, to not have it in person, uh, my story that I have certainly come through, but there's remnants of it because I can feel the emotion that I somehow, that I somehow let her down. So there's some Saturn stuff there, right? In the judgment and the, my sense of responsibility and how I carry the responsibility of my mother's legacy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really struggled with it uh, and was fairly resistant to letting go of it until, you know, in person, until it became absolutely uh, obvious that we were not going to actually be able to hold one. So we transitioned within um, six weeks from an in-person conference to a virtual conference, which I had never done before. It was long 10 and 12 hour days working with my brilliant web designer, Steve Wolfson, uh, who made Norwax's website the most user-friendly, smooth experience. Uh, to this day, people are still commenting on how fantastic that was. So normally Norwax would hold uh, we sold out for the very first time last year, last, uh, 2019, we sold out. In 2020, before COVID, we had actually sold out the conference by the end of 2018. Mm. That's um, 475 to 500 people, right? So when we switched over to the, uh, and I'll try to make this quick, but um, when we switched over to and made the announcement to go virtual, we lost about 100 people that they were like, mm, I, I don't really want to sit in front of a computer, virtual things sure. not my thing, I'm not a techie. And then uh, Chris Brennan and his crew over at the Astrology Podcast took it upon themselves graciously and as my guardian angels to promote Norwalk to their, and I was already paying for advertising, but they took it on to really save Norwalk and they did. And we went from 400 people after we lost about a hundred and ballooned up to over 900. Mm -hmm. So it was amazing. It was truly an amazing and, and Norwalk has um, our reputation is truly centered around uh, a community connection, making people feel welcome, providing uh, a container energetically and uh, uh, intentionally for them to show up and participate and connect because I believe connection is everything. So if you're connecting, you're learning, you're connecting um, because you remember more when you're embodied, right? You, when you're in your emotional body, you remember more, you connect more, the brain is functioning better. So we believe, and I believe that connection is everything. And so uh, I was really concerned that Norwalk was gonna lose that. So I started you know, just trying to imagine all sorts of scenarios that we could do and bring the intention of my family, which, you know, my children are involved, um, and my grandchildren are usually at the conference. Uh, and so it's this family environment. And so we were all involved creating that connection, and it carried over. We were, I was blown away. I was truly, it was so far beyond expectation. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was Jupiter on my Jupiter had stationed on my son that weekend. Yeah. Uh, at 27 Capricorn, it was just stationed on it, just riding it. And Uranus was on my moon in mid heaven. And I was like, okay, I got to trans, you know, it was like making this 
a <laughs> definite turn away from what I perceived it would be. So yeah, um, it, it was, was incredible. Amazing. I went and all I, over the world. I attended this year and this was my first conference. And I have to tell you, you know, in listening to the truth of where your Saturn work was at around this, like I just was on cloud nine when I left the weekend, I was going down in between speakers, getting snacks and telling my husband, oh my gosh. And then I met this person in the chat room and it was I have not been to an astrology conference in person and it was phenomenal. And the other thing I have to tell you, God, just thinking about, even without knowing about your mom, but thinking about what you guys were carrying on is that you gave Norwalk to that person who couldn't come because they can't get a sitter and they can't spend the money to travel. And they had a weekend that they were not going to get to have. I just am. So I just think about your mom and your family and I'm like, Oh my God, you brought this forward. Like how beautiful is that? I'm so very blessed. My mother um, mm. you know, she blessed me with this and I'm grateful and I, uh, respect where she came from and what she wanted to bring into the world, into the astrological community. And I, um, take that seriously, uh, and, um, in a very heartfelt, serious way, mm. uh, uh, that sense of responsibility. I have Saturn in the fifth, as a matter of fact. So, the, you know, that is something I take seriously, that kind of intention, and so, um, I, I did hear from a lot of people who obviously could not have, if Norwalk had happened in person and we had room for them, uh, you know, traveling to a conference, uh, even within the United States, you mm-hmm. know, you're looking at a thousand to $1,500 with, yeah. you know, the conference, food, hotel, flight, um, missing work that's not even counted in there. And then if you talk about international folks, you know, you're talking thousands of dollars. We have people uh, for years coming to Norwalk from New Zealand and Australia. That's not an inexpensive ticket to fly from there to Seattle. Uh, And so, uh, you know, there were people all over the world, so many different countries. Um, It was beautiful. It was just, And I feel like it spoke this year so much to where we're going in the future, where it's almost as if these things that we've had from conferences to things in other industries, where the online piece, if it's not there going forward, there will really be some questions as to why would you not use that tool to give the gift that you have? So I just... You killed it. You guys did an amazing job. I'm completely grateful. And I know others that are super grateful for it too. And your mom's yeah. giving you big high fives. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, it looks like at this point going forward, at least for 2021, we may be virtual again. And then sure. in the future, uh, we will try to find a way to, to do both at the same time. I'm, I'm not sure how that works. I mean, it's like producing a television show mm-hmm. at the same time that you're running a live event. So, yeah. Um, oh, man. You know. We'll talk after. I can help with that. 
that I know how to do. <laughs> See, this is where the 80s babies are finally ready to shine, Laura. I mean, we've been waiting for our moment. And here we are on stage. Good. Well, guys, I'll make sure that the links to all of the information about Laura, of course, and Norwalk are down below so that you can start to check that out, maybe start to work that into your plans as we come forward into 2021. The speaker list is always phenomenal. So you can go back and even see who was there and the topics that they talked about as well. So really good stuff. Right. We'll be putting up the new website, the new information. So the current information will disappear. I mean, we'll save it and archive it. But the new information will be going up probably late September. You can find uh, audio. Uh, I'm all the way back to 2014, but we have mm -hmm. audio that goes back into the 90s. Wow. Uh, some of our early 80s audio, you know, on cassette tape is pretty rough, pretty rough. <laughs> I'm not sure how it's going to translate to digital, but you can always find audio there. And of course, video from uh, the 2020 conference. And uh, we'll be running some promotional stuff as soon as I can get the rest of it up in my right. copious amounts of spare time. Yeah. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> Yay. Okay. Well, under the Mars and Saturn square today, let's talk about Saturn and Saturn in the chart, Saturn's role in our life. Now, one thing that I teach is that astrology is a way in, not a way out. So as we're experiencing these things in life, it is not Saturn's fault. You know, if you're being a jerk, Mars is not making you be a jerk, right? Like you are expressing your current level of understanding of that planet and interaction. And we're here to grow and do the work that these charts have given us. So as we learn about Saturn today, maybe look at where you're at in the level of your expression of Saturn's understanding, but also let's just see what this guy's asking you to do and to focus on it all anyways. So exactly. It's what I, what I say to my students is that uh, astrology is not causal, it's correlative. Mm -hmm. Meaning we correlate human cycles and human experience and human expression with the cycles of the planets. They are not causing the expression uh, of who we are. I am not who I am because I have a sun in Capricorn. It's not making me be that way. It is the way that we describe uh, that sun's uh, Capricorn describes who I am. It does not make me who I am. Mm -hmm. And from another point of view, uh, there is no external solution to an internal problem or an internal story, meaning that even the planets are not, when we're looking to astrology, looking to the outside world, that is in fact in my type of astrology, not the solution. The solution is always inside of you and your chart has every tool that you will ever need to do the job that you are meant to do in this lifetime. Nothing is absent. It's all there for you. Yeah. And right. it's actually, I think, really lovely to get to know your chart because you're not actually here to work on every issue on this planet. Uh, we're split up into teams. Some people are working on these things. You're working on what you've got to work on. But the better understanding we can have about that and that truly we straighten out internally and then we straighten out materially, exactly. emotionally, psychologically. So you've got slides. Let's get them up and let's get into this talk. I'm really excited. Let's do it. I know. And it's so funny. Somebody in the chat said, oh, yay, it's Miss Norwak. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so you, your reputation is, is preceding you beautifully. <laughs> so one of the 
one of the first things I want to say is that, of course, Saturn is the last planet that we can see. It's the furthest out planet that we can see with our eyes, looking in the night sky. We've had this beautiful Saturn-Jupiter conjunction riding in the sky. It's been beautiful every night when you get a clear night. Uh, so uh, it is the last planet we can see with our eyes unaided with a telescope. So Saturn represents the boundary between the known and the unknown. It represents the boundary between what we can tangibly assess and what we can only perceive or imagine outside of that. And often Saturn represents the need to control that which we perceive and be fearful of that which we don't know. So that sense of tangibility, the sense of boundaries, of form, of shape, of structure, all of that is certainly, uh, are certainly Saturn's um, purview. Mm. Let's get, see if my, why won't my screen go? There it is. Can you see that? Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. So I think of planets as functions. They do things, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think, I'm not a traditionalist. I'm here to say that. I'm a modernist. I'm an evolutionary astrologer looking at the nature of the soul's evolution. I am not attached to trying to determine what past lives are. I'm more interested in understanding the dynamics of where the soul has been at and what that has to do with this life. I have a lot of earth. I'm more interested in how I can apply it in this lifetime and how I can evolve my consciousness. So the functions of Saturn versus looking at Saturn uh, in certain signs or certain houses are better or worse. As a modernist in an evolutionary astrology, we see and perceive the full range of healthy and unhealthy, light and dark manifestations of any planet, any sign, any house, any planet placement in any sign in any house. So Saturn represents the concepts of boundaries. And I can go on and on and on about boundaries, by the way, but I'll give you a little, as a Capricorn, as um, what I want to give you real briefly in the, the narrative of boundaries is to understand that they are our limits. Not putting up fences and trying to defend, because that's actually the weakest position we can take. Because if I put up a wall, it says that what's on the inside of the wall isn't strong enough to stand up on its own. So I'm at a defense, I'm in defense mode, which is not your strongest position. But another way to look at boundaries is they're a byproduct of self-definition. The more I define myself, the more I embody myself, the more I know who I am, know thyself, then boundaries are a natural expression and byproduct of that self-knowing. If I fill my space, people come up against that space, come up against my energy and know where my boundaries are. So what I say then is carried through the intention of my energy and it's owned and it's believed. Nobody ever rarely challenges my boundaries when I say, no, that's not going to work for me. It's accepted because I live it. I own it. It's not a maybe. I'm not trying to defend against you. I'm owning my space. It has nothing to do with you. Understanding my natural limits means that uh, I can overrun my own boundaries by trying to feel, uh, by being and feeling responsible for other people, right? So I I can end up as a Capricorn or a Pisces or a Cancer or any, it taking on too much of other people's stuff and not really understanding the limits of my own capacity and what is healthy. So time is an issue. Certainly it's a representation of limitations and boundaries 
it is a construct that we have designed. We have designed it based on the sun's movement, but nonetheless, time is something we own in the here and now on this planet and three-dimensional plane. But it is, in my view, as is Saturn, I'm a radical in this, that Saturn and time are relative. I think Saturn is a relative. I think reality is relative. I don't think it's set in stone. Yes, I can't put my hand through this desk. Not yet. I believe that at some point we may be able to adjust our molecular structure and align it with the molecular structure of the desk and beyond and be able to do that. But right now we have limitations and owning that limitation is very important. Yeah. And it's Saturn. interesting. It's interesting because when I teach about Saturn too, and I teach it from the perspective of faith or interaction with the divine energy, and we look at boundaries, limitation, and time, they are all these awesome constructs that make us believe that we have this power, right? Like we have control over all of these things, but also boundaries and limitations are not about keeping me in and you out, but they're about letting that magic that is the thing that puts the sun in the sky work through me in a way that is its highest good, you know? Absolutely. This is limitations and boundaries are not about keeping anything in or out. Mm. It is just a natural sense of where your energetic space yes. exists, right? And where it's set. It is a sense of um, identity integrity, right? That's that there's a good Saturn Capricorn word, the kind of integrity. We think of moral integrity, but I also think of energetic integrity. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, yes. you know, Saturn can show us in a chart where we have challenges around our limits, uh, where we may have challenges around our boundaries, where we may have challenges around patience, or it may show us something that our soul has developed well, and it's something we do fairly well, we, that we have patience and we understand our limits. Mm. Saturn in evolutionary astrology represents societal and parental as well as karmic conditioning. It's the things that we do over and over and over again. It's kind of, I think of karma, there's a karma element of Saturn, there's a, certainly a karmic element of Pluto, but I think of them as uh, as habits. The same thing that you can think about the south node as a karmic nature, since it's related to the moon, we think of these emotionally embedded patterns. But Saturn is that sort of conditioning that we live up to over time, social expectations, parental expectations, and it becomes so conditioned we no longer think about it. Right. And so that's why Uranus follows Saturn. Uranus is the need <laughs> to liberate and break free from the conditioning and from the limitations and structures that we've kind of put ourselves into. And the thing is, is that when we externalize Saturn and Capricorn, we externalize our boundaries into crystallized rules of rigidity because we're, we're fearful, right? Mm -hmm. We're afraid. And so we put up these walls, we put up these rules, we put up these things in order to keep us safe. And it's a false narrative that will never yeah. provide us the security we're looking for. So those external structures have to become more crystallized and crystallized over time as we invest in them. So when we really let go of that control piece, when we really examine the fear and we move to mastery, we get something completely different. So let's talk about, let's jump over and talk about responsibility and accountability because these two words are just phenomenal when you really break them down. When you look at patriarchal um, um, cultures, uh, you get responsibility and accountability shifted to the narrative of blame 
and shame mm -hmm. and fault. Mm -hmm. Who do I assign this to? Who's going to take responsibility and then carry the burden of that, the scapegoating element of Saturn? But if we really just take the words and break them down, accountability is the ability to account. What's mine and what's not mine? So this goes to the boundary element, right? This mm -hmm. goes to the wisdom element of Saturn. This goes to the mastery element of Saturn. How do I account for what's mine and how do I count and give back to you or release what is not mine? And then responsibility is simply the ability to respond. What action will I take? What even a non-action will I take? Meaning that uh, I can stay in integrity and intentional at who I, in who I am, accounting for what's mine and leaving the rest for you to account for. That is yours, which whether you're going to do it or not is not my responsibility. It's not my ability to respond to what you're going to do, nor is it my ability, my need to account beyond what it is that I've accounted for. Absolutely. And then, yeah, and thinking about the word authority, you know, I think about authority um, from a more patriarchal, hierarchical, structured view in that somebody has the power and we have this hierarchical form and somebody, but if you really look at the word, we know that the word author is in there, right? Mm -hmm. A-U-T-H-O-R, author. And so I have rearranged this word to be, in a way, authorability, the ability to author your own reality. And that's what authority is. And so when we are moving to mastery, when we're moving out of fear and into mastery from the wisdom point of view, then we can author our own reality. We're not trying to author it outside of some, in some super radical way, but if you can, it's sort of, I don't want to describe this. If I pull up to a stop sign, <clears throat> I want to stop at that stop sign because I've made the decision to stop at the stop sign because it's right, it's safe, not because the, just because the law says I must. Right. Right? So I'm not going to author my own reality into a way, and some people do. They say, I don't have to stop at that stop sign. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's about certainly being accountable in some way. It certainly is about being accountable for your actions and being accountable for your world. But authorability, I love that in terms of particularly those who have Saturn retrograde, who are returning, coming back and embodied in this lifetime to reclaim their ability to author their own reality, to be able to define for themselves what's real and what's not real, who they are and who they are not. Yeah. And so, it all comes down to... What actions are you taking to move through and to own your part in your existence? It's a more empowered place, mm -hmm. right? And fear is a more reactive place. Yeah. Right? Well, and it's interesting too, because I think about it and it's like, sometimes I feel like as I sit with people or I'm teaching and it's like, people are not really afraid of Saturn per se, but that idea of being accountable for things that are happening or things that have happened and the willingness to move past those things, that seems to be scary, which is interesting too, because that's the path from fear to mastery. It is. And I watch, I'm married to a Capricorn. He has actually more Capricorn than I do. He's a Jupiter, Sun, Saturn, Mercury Capricorn. And Saturn is real over there. Yeah. Saturn is very real. Very <laughs> real. Yes. Jupiter, Sun, Saturn, Mercury, and Capricorn in the fourth house. And I watch him very defensively. Uh, and I think 
you know, there's some old karma for him and his soul around being scapegoated and being made responsible. So he gets hyper defensive, thinking he's being blamed and that mm. something bad is going to happen if he is found responsible sure. for something. So, you yeah. know, I very, I try, I have worked very hard not to react when he gets defensive, just to stay centered right. and, you know, calmly have a conversation about where my intention is at and that he gets to deal with, he can decide for himself, you know, is my, am I telling him the truth about my intention? Hopefully he believes that I am and that he can work it through. It's not my responsibility or, or for me to account for what he's doing, but I can speak clearly about my own intentions. Sure. But this is where astrology, I think becomes beautiful, right? Because right. you can walk up to someone's soul path lesson and go, oh, okay, hold on. You're just trying to grow through this. I'm going to give you the facts and then back up and let you do your work. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, as a parent, uh, I was already studying astrology when my children were born back in the eighties and really understanding my firstborn is a Capricorn. Uh, <laughs> my second born was supposed to be a Capricorn, but he decided he was going to be a Sag and come three weeks early, but he is a Capricorn rising. So Capricorn and Saturn, <laughs> both my children have Saturn moon conjunctions in Scorpio. So Saturn is very big in my life, you know, obviously. So, uh, and I watched their defensiveness and, you know, the fear-based reality that comes from that which doesn't come from their childhood. It certainly sure. was never present in their childhood. It's something mm -hmm. that their soul is carrying with them. My job is to help guide and nurture, but you know, they will have their own path. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, that leads me into this word right here, which sounds like, and seems like such a heavy word, futility. Mm. But there is a positive element to futility. And here's where I was just saying, I have, I have to recognize if futility is a limit, uh, eventually, as you push, push forward and try to control, eventually what happens is the recognition that it's no longer working. Right. And you can go into the destructive futility that somehow you've done something wrong and the self-judgment that Saturn carries. Or you can use the positive futility, which is to recognize that to pursue this path is an act of futility and I need to redirect. I need to set a new uh, goal. I need to set a new line of action. So recognizing the limits of old behavior, recognizing that I may be at a dead end, at times it is important for us to uh, sink into some of that futility. Mm -hmm. But it is important like Saturn and Capricorn to pull ourselves up and climb that mountain, to pull ourselves up out of the water, out of the emotion of it. There's nothing wrong with the emotion, but there's a time for it. And then to pull ourselves up and keep moving ourselves forward. Yeah, it's brilliant because I think I like I have that vision where it's just Saturn, you know, just looking you square in the eyeball saying resistance is futile. This is yep. still going to be the truth. So we're yep. going to still need to do this now. You may wallow and or grow <laughs> as you so choose. As you so choose. We're doing this work, right? It's a very, <laughs> like, I love that Saturn is like that. He's not a bully. But he's nope. not up for the bullshit. He's like, look, we got some stuff to do, right? <laughs> like, it's real. He's real, right? He's really trying to help you grow. <laughs> There's just such a non-biased, non-judgmental, yeah. uh, very uh, 
and it appears cold because it, there's an objective non-attachment that's very Saturn um, when it's done well to, uh, to the nature of reality. It is what it is, yeah. right? And that can seem cold. That can seem cruel. That can seem, and remember Saturn rules Capricorn, which is opposing the moon and cancer. So the moon and cancer is down there going, oh, you know, you're just so unfeeling. You know, where's the yeah. humanity? Where's the emotion? Saturn's like, you know, bad. Saturn in some cases doesn't have time for that. It's yeah. like, you know, we got kind of your emotions got us here. We need something else. What else you got? <laughs> and, you know, over time, we have to find a nice harmony between yeah. Cancer and uh, Capricorn, Saturn and the moon. They must work together. Mm -hmm. Let's see what we got on this next slide. Um, so I am in many ways an anomaly in so many different ways. I have Uranus on the Ascendant in the 12th. So even though I have a lot of earth, I tend to find and uh, operate in some very non-traditional ways. So I, can, I actually look at Saturn by house first versus Saturn by sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After 35 years, look, it's, it sits in the sign two and a half years. Everybody I went to school with, grade school, all the way through high school, all had Saturn and Capricorn. Yes, we have something collectively that we're working on as a little sub-generation of our Pluto and Virgo. But uh, the individual nature of Saturn, for me, comes by the house. So often when we're looking at Saturn, uh, I'm looking at Saturn, I'm talking to my clients about where their soul is coming from in terms of their perception of what they are lacking. So that's a story that we talk about. What do we perceive we're lacking? Like people who have Saturn in the third, I have a dear friend who has Saturn in the third, and it's been a battle all her life that she perceives that she is less intelligent than others, or she thinks that other people think she is less intelligent. None of that is true. It is perceived. I have perceived in, in parentheses, it should be in quotes because it's not true. It is a perception that is driven by fear and a perception that is embedded and conditioned by previous lifetime experiences for the soul that may in fact inform that story, right? And so that story comes forward. Um, I have Saturn in the fifth, a longstanding narrative up through my first Saturn return was I'm not lovable. There's not enough love for me. I'm not creative. Fearing the lack of uh, deep lack of risk of putting myself out into the world. Yeah. So these are Saturn by house can tell us, show us where we have our perceived limitations, what some of our deepest fears are. And this is some good juicy stuff to talk with clients about and how to then shift the story to tell them that perception though comes from uh, in my world from karmic experiences is not meant to carry forward in that way in this lifetime, that their job, their task is to reframe the narrative and come from, instead of fear, Saturn shows us then where the mastery point in the chart. And the deep fear that we have keeps us for, from seeing the mastery we have. Saturn in the third house is brilliant. They have great discipline when it comes to their process of learning and communicating. They speak what they know and you can usually take to the bank and believe a Mercury, a Saturn in the third because there is due diligence. They are concerned about their reputation and what it's gonna look like if they speak out of line. Um, 
Saturn in the fifth is the mastery of love. I have now come to the place where I'm the master, master of joy. I have mastery of joy, of love, of creativity. I'm not an artist, but that doesn't mean I'm not creative, right? So there's, what I want you all to think about is where your Saturn sits. Think about that story as a story that's been embedded from previous experiences. Maybe even your childhood reinformed that story. But to understand it's a story that can be reframed. And Saturn is also the process of reframing, restructuring, giving new form to that uh, way of perceiving. And I think, go ahead. I don't think that people give him enough credit, but Saturn is by his very nature of requiring action, a planet of great faith, right? Because you've got to take a different action to outgrow the fear. We never change what we're thinking. Like we don't think ourselves into new action, right? Like we usually act our way into a new thinking and a new structure and a new perception over what's going on. I know that is absolutely been true for me. I'm a South node in Capricorn and Capricorn rules my fifth house and Saturn is in my second, right? And when I did some Saturn work, these perceives, there was a lot of fear that, that was there, but there's a lot of faith that had to happen to take a new action to see the mastery, you know? And, and for me, it works a little differently. For me, it, um, I have Mercury and Capricorn conjunct Saturn. They're very wide, Mercury separating. But for me, I ha- I, when I recognize an old story, which is the reason I know it's an old story or a story is that I'm having an emotional response. I'm having an emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. The emotional reaction, whether it's anger, sadness, um, frustration, whatever it might be, depression, sure. those kinds of emotions, which are perfectly normal emotions. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're informing me that I have a story that is then the underpinnings of that emotional reality. And for me, I, I, I go back into what is my story? Okay. If, if, if I have an attachment somewhere, an expectation that didn't get met, then I need to look at what is the story under that attachment, you know? And so then it's rewriting the story, dealing with the emotionality and the story at the same time. So that's how it works for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, so great. I think we did do the same thing. We both look for that fear down there that's in the yep. story. Beautiful. And you do have to, I think that Uranus and Neptune, which follow Saturn's order, you know, we're following Saturn, then Uranus and Neptune. You have to jump outside of and do something different. And you have to call on faith. Mm-hmm. Jupiter is on one side of it, which is an ego-based faith for me. Neptune is the transcendent faith, the faith that's outside of what we know and taking that leap. And you eventually have to do something different, you know? And so taking risks for me, uh, doing things that were way outside my comfort zone for a little Saturn in the fifth, uh, pushed the envelope, uh, pushed me to examine again, even more of the story and, and hopefully to rewrite it, which I think I did. Yeah. Um, let's take a look and see what else we've got in this. Come on, let's go. All right, let's talk about fear. Every creature on the planet is motivated by fear. Oh yeah, gets things done, doesn't it? Not always the best things, but it does get no, things done. No, it isn't. And it's one of our primal instincts to stay alive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, but what humans, because of the evolution of our consciousness uh, at, at 
what we know, and I certainly don't know other animals, but I'm going to speak from the human point of view, is that we have taken uh, natural um, functional fears and translated those into, um, I can't take that action because something bad will, I'm, I'm afraid. So that false experience or evidence appearing real. I did not create that, uh, and, um, I mean, I actually created that slide, but I did not, I'm not the, the, the person who came up with F-E-A-R as false experience appearing real. I cannot even remember where I saw it uh, originally, but it made so much sense to me because with Saturn, we try to control. We want to know the known. And even within the known, we, you know, we're trying to control everything, right? And so what's really interesting is humans try to control everything that we have no control over and then give up control of what we actually have control over. <laughs> yes, so, it's a complicated ride we're on, friends. It is. And so <laughs> we try to control everything outside of ourselves, which we have no control over, and we give up control of the things that we have within yeah. us, which is the we have control over what we think and we have control over what we feel and our emotional expression and experience of that. We actually do because the mind is in fact, in my experience, generating. If you think of Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Gemini comes and precedes cancer, the emotional nature. So you have to have thought first before you get to emotion. They then become intertwined. It's not as linear and logical as all of that, but thought does come first and language does come first. So, um, one of the things to understand about, the, about Saturn, the moon, and the south node is that there's a lot of security and comfort that comes out of those placements. You know, we want everything to be, Saturn wants everything to be contiguous, you know, consistent and contiguous from one moment to the next, right? And the moon and the south node's security becomes more emotionally invested. And in evolutionary astrology, one of the narratives we use is that the past gets created over and over again because we know what we're going to get. Yeah. There's a sense of security in repeating the past. Re doing something new gives us a great deal of insecurity. That's, that's stepping outside of Saturn's realm. So first of all, it's, it's important for us to recognize that whatever story we're running is potentially false. All right, so... Um, if you're standing uh, at a precipice physically and your whole body is tingling, telling you to get away, that's probably not a false story, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's a good cool. thing to keep you safe, back off the precipice before you fall, right? But if you're standing on the precipice of emotional adventure or the emotional expression and you're thinking, I'm going to die if I jump off this precipice, it's more than likely that that is a false story. Mm -hmm. I'm not always going to say it is because you might find yourself in a situation where expressing your emotion could in fact be a draw violent action. Sure. Sure. Right. If you're in an abusive relationship or in a culture where that's not accepted, that could in fact draw. And so having fear of that might be a good thing. Yeah, the, the keep me alive fear in my body and in my experience lights up much different than the, my expectations are not being met. Right. Now we're in a different place kind of fear. Like it just has a different somatic response. Right. Uh, in general. Right. 
All right, so let's move on. I, I found some of these quotes and I love them. So I'm just gonna run through some of them. Fear is not real, is the product of thoughts you create. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. Love that. Fears are stories we tell ourselves. And don't let fear of what could happen make nothing happen. There's a good uh, element to think about. A d uh, fear is a dark room where negatives are developed. <laughs> That's good. Isn't that great? Uh, and you know what? When we take our fears out into the light, light is a great cleanser, Absolutely. right? The light of reality, the light of day, the light of thought. When we take our fears out and speak them out loud, I'm, I'm really big on speaking them out loud so you can hear them. Yep. Yeah. Right? Hear them, uh, address them, because there's more than likely a, a, a childlike infantile part of us that is deeply freaked out. So we need sure. to probably have a conversation. So the adult part of us, Saturn, needs to have a conversation with the childlike part, a childlike part of us, the infantile part of us. I got you. I've got your hand. We're going to be okay. I'm not going to leave you behind. I'm right here. We've done this before. Even if we haven't done this before, we're going to be good. Yeah. It's right? amazing when you say it out loud and it gets to hit the air or, or hit another person, it comes back to our ears and we go, well, now wait a minute. <laughs> now, hold on. That's not true. Right? Like I just heard me. That's not true. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I think that um, I'm a big, strong proponent of speaking my stories out loud, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> saying them to myself. Yeah. Okay, Laura. So that's an interesting, and I'll say it out loud. That's an interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> where, let's see where that came from. Yeah. Do we really want to hold on? Do I really want to hold on to that story? Is that a story that's useful to me? Oh yeah. When I don't, I find myself, if I don't say them out loud, I'm eventually going to take action on them. And then it's like, you know, then my favorite thing is to go, well, how did I get here? Right. And I'm like, like to be shocked that I have walked myself through door number, whatever, you know, so those are my faves, but I'm human. I'm going to do it again. I'll probably do it again this week. You know, like absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And you know, the, again, your emotions, our emotions are the breadcrumbs that lead us back to mm -hmm. the story. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is the evidence I got a hair in my eye and it's making me nuts. Um, that is the evidence that there is a story running. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but again, this is not to make emotion the enemy. Emotions are useful, powerful, and necessary. In fact, in evolutionary astrology, we consider evolution to occur in the emotional body. You're going to do your deepest work at the emotional level. And when we, we talk about also coming back to the body at an emotional level, being embodied. I talked about that connectivity and the connection that uh, we really support at Norwalk. And that is super important to be embodied. You are more present, you're more aware, you're more connected. Um, uh, life has uh, more textual quality to it in a, in a, oh, for a lack of, I'm, I'm just going to say a Capricorn word, a more productive way, yeah. right? And I mean productive and happy, resourceful, um, all mm -hmm. kinds of ways, right? So, <laughs> and I think, and I think emotions are productive if we're willing to use them in the way 
that is more serviceable and <laughs> again, more productive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You gotta yeah. be productive, right? Cause Saturn, I really do. <laughs> like I love it when I flash back to when I'm having a conversation with my chart, I see Saturn being like, you know, I'm just trying to keep us on time. So is that practical? Is that productive? Are we achieving with that? You know, and he's got the same line over and over. Absolutely. And I do believe that <laughs> stepping outside of traditional Saturn um, expectations can be productive. For instance, rest. So that is called, let's talk about pulling in the polarity point of the moon and cancer. So when we balance out with the moon and cancer, we nurture ourselves, care for ourselves, nice long hot bath, um, a massage, uh, healthy food, drinking enough water. You know, those are productive and useful things to do. And they help us be then more traditionally productive yeah. instead of running ourselves down into the ground um, because I don't have time to drink water. Or I don't have time to rest. Mm -hmm. Those are all Saturn stories that aren't true because there's an underlying fear under that that says, if I am not productive in this way, people will judge me. I'll be judged, my reputation, my sense of identity out in the world, you know, and all those things are super important to Saturn and Capricorn. I found the hair. Sorry. <laughs> But Saturn is great too, because I don't know if, about your experience, but I have had conversations with Saturn and I'm like, I know you're telling me this. And Saturn's like, I didn't say that. That is not what I said. Like literally like, no, that's, that's not the productive thing to do. Like I used to wake up in the morning with like low level anxiety. And I thought everybody just had that. And then I found out it was fear. And I was worrying about stuff that I was not responsible or accountable to. And I'm like, Saturn, were you just trying to tell me not, that's not my job. And he's like, check. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, not your job. Right? Like yeah. low level anxiety when you yeah. open your eyes is fear. And that is not normal. I was like, oh. But then that emotional response is telling you something, mm -hmm. right? And so right. you recognized it. You went, huh, what is that? Yes. And that's always a great question. What is that? What is that? Why is that there? Where, what could that possibly be about? Yeah. If you don't have a ready answer, you can always live in a world of imagination. What would I imagine it to be, right? You step outside of this need to know. The Buddhists say you can't fill a teacup that's already full. So yep. empty the teacup with a need to know. The need to know is the teacup full. Empty the teacup, mm -hmm. empty the teacup, empty the teacup and stay present. And eventually, what happens is tea. Is tea. Good kind. <laughs> kind. Exactly. And as uh, Mahatma Gandhi said, the enemy is fear. We think it's hate, but it is fear. And that is what underlies uh, and permutates our world right now. We are in a hyper state of fear. And we hit that with the Pluto-Saturn conjunction in January. And Ceres was right there with it on the 12th of January. It was 23 Capricorn for Ceres, 23 Capricorn for Saturn, 23 Capricorn for um, Pluto. Uh, there was something else was there at 23. But, you know, we're dealing with an immense amount of grief, uh, an immense amount of loss and trauma. Uh, and we, what has been triggered is primal fear. Yeah. And not only collectively, but individually. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know, the, the primal element is Pluto. It hits you down at the root chakra. It's primal. It is the deepest, most rooted elements of our consciousness and our unconscious, right? And that got triggered, the fear. And so Saturn, then what was Saturn really calling for? Saturn was calling to Pluto to reshape something. And Pluto was calling to Saturn to say, we need to transform these fears. But sure. the way to transform them is to bring them up. You, it's, like, it's like the heat on, uh, it's like alchem alchemy. Turn up the heat and the impurities rose to the top. And so the heat was certainly cranked up uh, with this pandemic, with the political um, environment that we live in. Uh, the heat has been turned up and all the gross impurities are coming to the top. And we're, you know, our job, if we are to help humanity, we must help ourselves. We must do our personal work. Yeah, that's why we right. all got sent home. Like literally the universe. <laughs> okay, look, I'm, I'm gonna out. really need you to see some things because I need you to get you and your family and your insides well because what's coming next, we need your participation in. Yep. Right? So go home, take a shower or a spiritual shower <laughs> and please come back out. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I asked the question of myself, how do fears appear so real? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and I, again, I, uh, that it is, our stories are so impactful. You know, I think about when I'm talking to a client or a client's talking to me, I hear their stories by what they are saying and I reflect them back to them. I talk about their lead stories. What's at the top mm -hmm. fold of the, when we used to have newspapers, what's on the top fold. Um, what leads the story? What leads your life? And these are the fears that we are speaking. And so, you know, we invest in them because we find comfort in them. Again, that's why. And, and the story is, if I'm afraid, not doing it will keep me safe. Yep. There's, that, there's that sort of equation that happens. I fear, so therefore don't do it, then I'll be safe. Mm -hmm. and, and so we end up getting more and more stuck and what what is a result of that is the destructive futility then leads into depression mm -hmm. because we're not moving we're locked in our fears and we just project them out into the world so here is i uh, many years ago uh did some personal growth training um because my mother-in-law at the time was part of this group and I was resistant and she paid for it. I was, I really went in with a very poopy attitude, to be honest. I was like, I don't want to do this, but okay, you're going to pay for it. So I'll go. And there were some very interesting things I got out of this. And one was this square that what's inside this window <clears throat> is our reality, how we perceive it. Think about that white piece of paper as uh, infinite. It goes out in all directions and it is the sum total of all reality. And then we create the boundaries based on our truths, our mindsets, our opinions, and our beliefs that structure our reality. That is the window in which we look out into the world. And we then see and perceive reality that reinforces and affirms our truths and opinions and 
then our opinions inform, again, back out into the world, what we see. So in other words, let me give you a silly story. If I believe that all men drivers are idiots, right? That's just an opinion I hold, right? I don't, but well, not mostly. Um, but my point is if I held that opinion, as I'm driving down the road and somebody does something stupid in front of me and it's a man, then I'm justified. See? Right. Right They're there. all getting it. They're an idiot. Now, if it happens to be a woman, I can justify that as well because her father taught her how to drive. That is right. You're damn right he did. That's right. <laughs> so what we do is we bend reality and select reality based on our bottom line truths, beliefs, opinions, and mindsets. So I heard this in this uh, seminar and I went, holy, holy heck, there's an astrological correlation. Mm -hmm. So what's fascinating is, of course, beliefs and truths are very much aligned with Jupiter. What we believe, the nature of truths, how we formulate them, how we pursue them, whether how readily um, we, how ready we are uh, or have the ability to shift our truths. And then opinions and mindsets, very much Mercury. What's fascinating is that from a traditional point of view, and I'm not a traditionalist, but I did meditate on this and it came to me, is that Jupiter and Mercury rule the mutable signs traditionally. Mercury, of course, rules Gemini and Virgo. And then Jupiter rules Sagittarius, and traditionally it rules Pisces. And for me, mutability is about relativity. So cardinal energy, which is Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, these are the cardinal signs. They're about initiating action that helps shape and define identity. So all cardinal signs are about identity. Fixed signs, which follow cardinal, which is Taurus, Leo, uh, Scorpio Aquarius, these give value, meaning, and purpose to what was initiated in the cardinal sign previous to each one. Mutability, which is the Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, Pisces, is always the third sign in each quadrant, and it gives relativity to what was initiated, right? So if I, Aries, initiate action that helps shape and define the experience of who I am and my identity, Taurus is to give value, meaning, and purpose and substance to that identity. Gemini is to gather information to gain a relative perspective of that identity, simply put. There's obviously a whole lot more to that, but that's a very simple kind of way of looking at it. Each mutable sign gives relativity to what was initiated in the cardinal sign, from Cancer to Leo to Virgo giving relativity to what was initiated in Cancer, to Sagittarius giving relativity to what was initiated in Libra, and Pisces giving um, relativity to what was initiated in Capricorn. So this, in a way, gave me this perception that reality is perception-driven. That if I want my reality to change, if I want what I am getting to be different, then I must, by definition, if I believe this, if I hold this opinion of this narrative, then my beliefs and opinions, mindsets and truths must shift in order for reality to shift. And this is the very nature of creating your own reality. You can't import a new reality into the window. Right. You do not. <laughs> okay, people have been trying it forever. Yes, they have. 
You cannot import a new reality into the window until you realign the underlying truths, mindsets, opinions, and beliefs that hold that reality in place. It cannot be, it cannot come to manifestation. It cannot come to fruition. This is in fact how we shift our reality, right? This is how we create our reality. The Buddhists say, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So if you don't like what you've got, you've got to change what you do. But more importantly, you've got to understand why it is you do, what it is you do, so you can change what it is you do, so you can change what it is you get. Mm -hmm. And one of the easiest ways to figure that out is to say it out loud to somebody else and they'll go, oh, are you afraid of da, da, da? And you're like, why are you reading my mail? <laughs> And you know, it's like, uh, it doesn't mean for me with my Saturn in the fifth or you for your Saturn in the second, that when you start to recognize your fear, that the fear magically goes away. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. But we, again, become mature and wise, recognizing those fears and taking that small child part of us by the hand and carrying them forward. I got you. I'm with you. We're going to do this together. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. mm. And, you know, it, it uh, I think of mastery as the key I'm holding in my hand. Mm -hmm. And that I've squeezed that key so tight out of fear that I don't even know I have it in my hand anymore. Yeah. And when I start to relax and let go of the fear and the anxiety and rearrange that story that I can open my hand and see the key has been there all the time. Mm -hmm. And if Saturn is this planet of, in how I perceive him, of spiritual maturity, where he's like, I don't want to just change you mentally because that'll wear out, right? We got mutable signs. You're going to get a different mind frame anytime. But at the level of spiritual maturity, if I change you from the inside out, or I show you then the rest of this will stick, right? You'll carry it forward. You can walk at that level where you're as magical as you forgot you were. Yep. Did you ever see the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? No, but I clearly need to. <laughs> what a great title. Yeah, What the Bleep Do We Know? Um, uh, it's a mix of, it's like a docudrama. Hmm. So there's a mix of um, new age um, quantum physicists and underlying it is a, a story. Um, actress Marley Maitland is in it. Uh, mm -hmm. And it basically walks you through uh, the structure of how we create a reality as well. So they talk about, um, for instance, the stories that we run, this is how I translate it. The stories that we run are the neural net pathways in the brain. So they talk about the neural net pathways that these thought processes that we have and along those neural net pathways, emotional peptides are released. So we get an emotional hook from the stories that we run. We get comfort. I know what that feeling is. I know what that story is. Okay, yeah, it may be, it may be crap, but it's my story, right? Right. So I, I know that story. So they talk about reframing um, uh, there's some very interesting stuff in there and they mix it in with a Japanese scientist, uh, who talked about the nature of water. And so he took, um, 
two bottles of water and on one bottle he wrote hate, disgust, I hate you, all that kind of stuff. And then he took another bottle of water and he wrote, I love you. Uh, he wrote, you know, beautiful, lovely things on the water and then let it sit. And then he took the water, took some water and froze it on a, one of those slides you put under a microscope. And the frozen water molecule of the water that was in the hate bottle was fractured, broken. Mm. And the water molecule in the glass jar of love was gorgeous, beautiful, and whole. So they make this correlation in the movie that because we're a bag of water, our thoughts that we hold are informing and vibrating and resonating through the water in our body, the fluid sure. in our body. Sure. So the stories we carry are super important in terms of our well-being mentally, our well-being emotionally, and our well-being physically, health-wise. Yeah. Mm. So it's a great movie. Uh, I encourage anyone to watch it. What the bleep do we know? Um, it's <laughs> it was a little it indie. By film. title alone. <laughs> yeah. What the bleep do we know? Uh, and uh, uh, to this day, because of that, um, my Brita filter has words written on it. <laughs> Grace, love, awesome. compassion, and I drink that water every day. And I try to stay out of, it doesn't always work, negative thinking, but again, to reframe that thought. And this is my whole process with Saturn, Mercury, and Jupiter, coming back to this concept that the structure of reality, my intention is to broaden that window. My intention is to broaden that window so that I can see as much as possible that exists in reality and to be able to choose it. Not because I'm fearful and limiting it, but because I have wisdom and maturity to choose what will be in my life. Not blocking out and only selecting what's in there. So, um, so turning it around, Saturn by house represents the things of which we have mastery where we recognize our natural limits and through, through wisdom and maturity and the place where we are called to author our own reality. And as I've said, you must learn a new way to think before you can recognize and consciously manifest your own mastery. So that's where I come from. And so there is a point of taking a leap of faith always in that the last of the mutable signs is Pisces. There is a leap of faith. You must believe Sagittarius. You must think, you must assess in Virgo and discern and discriminate. You must believe and you must have faith. So that all is embodied in there. And that is what I have to say about Saturn. Yes, which was so beautiful. And just lots of stuff, lots of comments happening over here. People talking about their Saturn and what they learned. And one of the best things I've heard down here somebody said, oh man, when I was going through my Saturn return, it was just a whole lot, a whole lot of, and on the other side, there was some growing up that really happened. So now I regard Saturn with respect. Absolutely. It is respect. Definitely. We respect our limits. And the thing about in mm. evolutionary astrology, our, our theory is, is that for the first 30 years, we're living out a lot of old karmic conditioning yeah. and uh, by necessity, you know, that's what we do. In order for the soul to evolve, we in, invariably have to repeat the pattern to make it real and concrete in this lifetime in order to have something to work on. 
Sure. So that first 30 years is more than likely that we're living out some old conditioning and we get to the first Saturn return and we're challenged. Is this really my reality? Is this really who I am? Is this the person I want to be? Mm-hmm. Right. And if you slide by, my first husband slid by in his first Saturn return and didn't make it. He made it through his second. No, did he? He passed um, close to his. Um, let's see. He was. Yeah, it was right around his second Saturn return. He decided not to be on the planet. And so that's not to say that that's what happens. But you, if you avoid your first Saturn return, you, you're going to have to deal with it in the squares that precede that, you know, yeah. or, or follow it, not precede it. It shows up. It shows up kind of um, large and in charge, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very much so that place where it's almost like, why is this so exacerbated in this particular individual, in this soul? Why is this manifesting so outwardly? And I find that's a really nice place for conversation about Saturn, right? Just ask somebody what they think about what's going on. <laughs> and usually I think I feel like it comes out. Yeah. I think questions are always the best place to start mm-hmm. because it, uh, Every chart I read, I come from a place of question, not from a place of knowing. Sure. So what it does is it allows me to be in a, pl- a, ve- a more receptive place to what is in the chart, not what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that I can open my consciousness, my mind, my imagination. All of that gets opened up when I come from a questioning place. I wonder what this is. I wonder what that means. How could that find a way, you know, how could that manifest? What are the different ways that that might manifest? So if I come from question instead of needing to know the answer, I find that it's um, more fluid, yeah. more present. Yeah. And more collaborative. Yeah. It's their chart. This is, this yeah. is your world. Yes. <laughs> right. But I, even for myself asking the question, I ask the question for me, how is that, how does that show up? Mm-hmm. How could it show up? Why is that there? If I come from question and I do ask my clients questions, but I, I, for me, if I, I think it was Rilke who said um, that questions were more important than the answers at mm-hmm. times, you know, that the question is a, is a place of wondering and wondering and imagination. Yeah, that's so, yeah. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming Good over morning. to talk about Saturn and I feel like people are feeling a little respect, a little bit less fear around some Saturn today. So hopefully you guys, as you go out and you look at your charts, you, you lead with these questions and this wonderment about what's going on, what, what you're seeking to learn or to delve into here. So yay, man, I'm feeling good. Mars Saturn day is coming out. All right. So far. Yeah, it can, and, and it will, you know, we're being challenged, uh, to be modulated and moderate. That's all Saturn stuff. Don't react. Yeah. Uh, take your time, be patient, be mature, uh, but take action nonetheless. And if people want to reach me, they can always reach me at Lauren Albandian at gmail.com. They can go to my website at laurenalbandian.com. You can go to my, go to norwak.net. Those are all uh, websites available for you to see what it is I'm doing or what I'm about. And you teach. You want to tell I us about teaching? Teach. Yeah, I teach at SoulWise. So SoulWise School of Evolutionary Astrology. The website is SoulWise. Um, <laughs> Why can I never remember my own website? Because I've got too many of them. 
It's Soul Wise Astrology School. I was going to say Soul Wise School of Astrology, but it is soulwiseastrologyschool.com. We do have a new class session starting in 2021. We are in the process of updating our website uh, and we'll have registration open uh, in September looking for um, students for level one and level two. Absolutely brilliant. I will make sure that all of that information is in the description box down below you guys. So you can check that out as well. Before we get out of here, the autumn equinox gifts are up so you can feel free to start taking advantage of those as well. And we look forward to seeing you guys all week long. There is an eat and greet every day this week. How wonderful is that? Astrology. Spectacular. I know people want to come over and have a chat. I just Love it. I don't know what these are going to be when they grow up, but something. <laughs> but for now, oh, we're absolutely a great archive of information. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Stormy. Absolutely. All right, you guys, we will see you tomorrow in tomorrow's Eat and Greet with Miss Michelle Knight, where we are going to talk about intuitive astrology. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye, everyone.